Let us pray. O Lord, our God, on this holy feast day, we give you thanks for the gift of your Holy Spirit. May your Spirit pour forth in our lives that we may do the great works through the Spirit which you have promised. Amen. Well, the, the readings today make some pretty big promises if you were paying attention. As Christians, the Holy Spirit will be with us in a way imperceptible to the rest of the world. Anything asked in Jesus' name will be done. And the, the promises witnessed in Acts. The Holy Spirit in a rush of violent Wind fills the house and the disciples all begin speaking in other languages so that all can understand them. A miracle. And this celebration of Pentecost, the promise of doing greater works than even those we hear that Jesus did, well, they probably sound a lot like your life, don't they? I'll venture a guess that for most of you, they don't. And I further suspect that when Jesus promises that whatever we ask for in His name will be done, when He, asks to, when he promises to send a Spirit of truth upon us, that it can be bewildering, even troubling. Is my belief not strong enough? Is my love for Jesus not true? How would I even know? Why does it seem like my prayers were not answered? Does the Holy Spirit actually have anything to do with me or with real life? Why does this story of the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost often seem so far from my reality? There are a few ways you might find yourself trying to answer those questions. Maybe you think Peter and the disciples are just, they're special and Jesus is talking to them. I mean, they knew Jesus. When Peter later in Acts, full of the Holy Spirit, heals a paralytic or raises the dead, that's, that's not for you and me. That's not what the Holy Spirit's going to do in you and me, right? Or maybe the, you know, the ancients, they were primitive. They probably just thought people were getting raised from the dead all the time. It's easy to tell these stories and convince them. Maybe you head to the religion section at Barnes & Noble where there are plenty of authors happy to sell you books telling you how everything miraculous in the Bible was just added later. It's all made up. But the stories of the Holy Spirit working in and through the church don't stop at the end of the Bible. In fact, they've never stopped. They have stories for hundreds of years after the apostles in Acts were long gone. Miraculous miracles happening among the church, among the martyrs, among the witnesses in the church, healings, people being saved from death. They're still ancient, right? Still easy to fool, maybe can't trust them. The stories continue through history, though. In the 17th century, Blaise Pascal, who's a pioneer in modern mathematics and physics, witnessed, along with many others, the instant healing of his niece from a severe fistula in her eye. And this followed the prayer of a priest for healing. 
it, it greatly affected Pascal. Still, early modernity, France, can't trust it. Maybe. But these miraculous accounts never stop. They, they continue into modernity. There are countless. A well-known singer whose 20-year paralysis is documented in newspapers and by friends who is prayed over after giving up hope and through the atrophy in her muscles finds herself walking. And people so astounded they kept your videos. What are we to make of these? Is the Holy Spirit among us doing miracles? Are, these, are we to take this seriously? Who is the Holy Spirit? I imagine you have experienced or know of stories that are hard to explain or to fully rationalize. Maybe they've left you wondering, even if they weren't so dramatic as the accounts that I've just shared with you. And of course, I would be greatly remiss if you left this morning thinking that the only way we see traces of the Holy Spirit in the world are through what you and I would describe as miracles. I imagine most prayers for healing or a miraculous recovery or salvation from suffering are not answered as dramatically as those in the Bible today. And I don't think that's because those praying lack faith or don't love God. The great works of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises aren't name it and claim it miracles that mean we will never suffer if we're just good enough. All the apostles, except for St. John, were violently killed. The Holy Spirit is not out to answer our every small earthly need, but the Spirit is mysterious and He glorifies the triune God through amazing works. There are other traces of the Holy Spirit among us that we would do well to remember on this day of Pentecost. I mean, the very sustenance of the world, the giving of life, those two are the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. In a sermon on Jesus' miracle of turning water into wine, if you remember that Bible passage, St. Augustine once told his, leader, his listeners that the miracle is not surprising if we understand that it's God who works it. The one who changed the water in those jars into wine is the same God, he says, who every year in the vines and the water poured out from the clouds works the same miracle. But it's familiarity, Augustine says, has let the wonder of it slip away. Familiarity lets the wonder of it slip away. Just as you and I, we're steeped in this naturalistic, almost fundamentalism in North America that causes us to instinctively brush aside instances of the miraculous. Just as we do that, we just as easily brush aside the God-givenness of the simple and the ordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts that sustain life and creation. The work of the rain and the vines, which each year pour forth the gift of wine, the familiar. What about in church? For you who wonders, is the Holy Spirit real? Has the Holy Spirit ever come near in the ways that the Bible describes? 
In baptism, we say we are buried with Christ in His death. We share in His resurrection and are reborn in the Holy Spirit. In a few minutes, the priest will pray that the Holy Spirit might come upon the gifts of bread and wine that they would become for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ. The words are familiar. Has the wonder of them slipped away? I do not find Christians sufficiently sensible of conditions, writes the author Annie Dillard. Does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or as I suspect, does not one believe a word of it? It is madness to wear straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews. The Holy Spirit, the violent wind who raised the dead, who caused the disciples to speak in tongues, who cleansed you of your sin and brought you a salvation and a grace that you did nothing to earn, descends now to bring you the body and blood of the incarnate God. This familiarity let the wonder of that act slip away. You may not have seen miracles. It may not seem like your belief is strong enough to cast mountains into the sea or even to keep Jesus' commandments. But brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit knows you and abides with you and the signs are all around for those with eyes to see. The Son of God means what He says when He says He is sending the Spirit to abide with you. Take heart this Pentecost. Because while it may seem that you don't have the faith of the apostles or the Spirit-filled gifts of those who pray for healing or the goodness to keep Christ's commandments as those who truly love Him, you're in the right place. God has sent His Holy Spirit on Christ's church. And you are being renewed through the power of that Spirit. Open yourself to the reality of God and the Holy Spirit around you. Pray that you might be given the faith to move mountains. That you might come to love the Lord who loves you to the deepest core of your reality. That out of gratitude... For that love, you might find the strength to live as He commanded. And that through God's love working in you, the mighty works of the Spirit which Jesus promises to work through you for the glory of His name might come to fulfillment. That the story of Pentecost might continue in you. Amen.